This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Welcome to our special guest interview this week, and I'm thrilled to have with me today a fellow podcaster, Randy Crabtree. Good day, sir. Hey, great to be here. Randy, you have a podcast yourself. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, the podcast is called The Unique CPA. We've been doing it for about two and a half years now. Wow, doesn't seem that long. <laughs> two and a half years now. I, and we just talk about, I have two requirements when we're talking on The Unique CPA. One, we have fun, which I'm sure you and I will have fun today as well. And, and two, we talk about something that educates the CPA, the tax preparer, the accountant in general. So it's educational and it's fun. And that's if, if I get those two things out of it, and I usually get educated, I had a good time. What makes a CPA unique? Because people looking in from the outside say one accountant is the same as the next. One accounting firm is the same as the next. All the websites look the same. All the promises sound similar. What's the deal with unique CPAs? <laughs> Part of it for me is just everybody's different. I mean, you don't, nobody's a cookie cutter of anything. And this is a passion of mine anyways, talking about, you know, how everybody is, has unique talents, unique abilities, unique passions. And so when we came up with the name, it was like, at first I was like, hey, is that the right name? And the more I thought about it is, yeah, because that's what I talk about. I love talking about how everybody has you know, their own path in life and their own way to get there. And they don't always find it immediately, but everybody's got this uniqueness about them. So it's not, it doesn't even have to be CPA. It could just be the unique person I'm talking to today. And for me, that's it. Now, now if we go into what makes a, a CPA unique, the, every person's individual, what makes a CPA important? We could go deep into that because what you said, it's a, a CPA, tax preparer, whatever. There is a blurred line there a little bit because there are a lot of people thinking now, why would I be a CPA? Why would I go to five years of school, which is the requirement here? Why would I do these other things? Well, let's just talk about that for a moment. Attraction of the accounting profession we know is waning. We know there's a labor shortage. We hear about the great resignation. Being chained to a desk for 10 to 15 years in the hope of making partner in private practice or public accounting, that's not appealing. I'd rather go into tech or make mobile apps and do more exciting things. So to what degree are we selling accountancy as a career, Randy? I think that's the thing a lot of CPA firms are addressing now, especially what you said, the great resignation and just the whole in the US here where they changed the rules. I don't even know how long ago where you had to now go to five years of college to become a CPA rather than just 
you know, I'm old. So when it was me, it was only four years and I am a CPA. So when that happened in my mind, it was like, they're going to lose people. And I think that has happened, but it's also the, the whole point was to make it. And honestly, I'm guessing they were trying to get the impression of a CPA up there with more of a lawyer, you know, got this extra school to be a CPA. You have this extra school, which is important. The problem is you only need CPA for one thing really in our industry. And that's doing a, a certified audit. And I'm not a big fan of certified audits anyways. Those were always boring to me, <laughs> but that's the only reason. So to be able to do an audit and be a CPA, that is probably a turnoff for people. And why am I going to want to do that? I can go be a tax preparer. I can do, go be a bookkeeper. And that's a huge profession that's growing right now too. I can do that without the CPA. Well, my fellow host, Martin Bissett, and I did a, an episode just recently on a story we came across where a business owner had hired a zero certified professional that wasn't a qualified accountant at all, wasn't a qualified bookkeeper, didn't have any letters after the name, but they had certification in a particular piece of software. And that's all they wanted to do their books. So it's not just a fight for making the profession attractive. It's a fight for relevance for accounting generally in the eyes of the business owner. Right. No, I agree. And I, I think it's just a matter. And that's why most firms are, are rebranding themselves as advisory firms rather than CPA firms, because they want to be known as, hey, we're not just we're just not the reporter of your taxes. We're not just the reporter of your your accounting. We are the advisor. We are going to help you be a more successful business. And in reality, CPA honestly is not necessary for that. I think it's helpful. I think you learn a lot in that extra year as well, but I think it's hurt the industry. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an area where there's a lot of pros and cons on the whole five-year CPA. Do I need to be a CPA? And, and I'm guessing you're talking about like certified QuickBook advisor or something like that, which. Yeah, exactly. And you call it CPA, other designations apart from certified public accountant are available. We don't have CPAs in the UK, but from your experience, Randy, is an accountant or a CPA the same pretty much all over the world? Yeah, I think from what I've seen, and I'm no expert on that, I, I travel to the UK for fun. I haven't traveled there for business. And, you know, Canada, I, I know a lot of tax uh, professionals in Canada, just for I'm part of a, actually from around the world. I know people in the UK from Canada and in and, and general, everybody seems, you know, the same type of work they're doing and the same knowledge. What in your view makes a good accountant great? What separates the average from the better ones? Well, one of it is just being able to communicate your knowledge or your expertise to the client. I mean, if I look at someone's financial statement and I, I see there's things that they can improve on, they can change on, they can do better. Great. I see that. How well am I communicating and then implementing that to them? So, so I think a, a great accountant is one that is going to affect the company. And I said this before, but affect the company's business rather than report the company's business or the client's business. If I'm a reporter, I really haven't done anything to help them. If I'm an advisor and I'm an effector, if I can, if I can change what they're doing and make them a better business, that's what really makes a good CPA. Uh, what is it called in the UK? Well, we just call them chartered accountants, certified accountants, but, but accountants generally accountants in private practice, accounting practitioners, it's pretty much the same. When you talk about communication skills, we're not necessarily seeing accountants as great communicators, else they may have gone into a different profession. So if we assume that they're technically strong, they're super smart, they know all about tax and double entry bookkeeping and everything else, that's a given to get into the game. Are they having to acquire the communication skills on the job? Or do you now want accountants to be able to do 
the people side of things before they enlist. I think that's a, I think it can be a learned skill. And I actually think I am an example on that. I was always personable. I could talk to people, but I was considered the growing up. I mean, we can go way back. Growing up, I was considered the shy kid. I got that label, which I hate that label. I hate labels in general, but I was considered the shy kid um, by teachers, probably not by, you know, my friends and all that. You get labeled though, Randy, don't you? You get labeled and, and, and it's, you know, you probably start to believe it at some level. You know, when I went to college, I delayed taking speech class to the very last semester because I dreaded getting in front of people and talking. But what I'd learned from that is be prepared, be knowledgeable on what you're talking about. And you could talk about anything, but you also have to be passionate about what you're talking about. So in speech class, I found some things that I was passionate about that I knew really well. And most of my speeches were like interactive. I was showing people how to do things. And so you can learn the communication skills because I did, but maybe more so you can learn to be excited about what you're doing by having talking about things you're passionate about. So I'm big on that too. follow your passions. If you're passionate about something, you're going to be able to communicate it. It's just that in my mind, I don't see how you would not. If you love what you're doing, you're going to be able to communicate it. I want to an accountant introduce himself to an audience of business people by saying this. Hi, everyone. My name's Chris. I'm an accountant. I'm a pretty boring guy, but there's one thing I'm really, really excited and passionate about, and that's helping business owners save money paying tax. And it was probably a great presentation, right? Yeah, it did well, because as you say, it was passionate. But the, the label of accountants and the word passion don't always go together. It's almost like we're not allowed to be passionate about things. And numbers in and of themselves are pretty boring, but there's a lot to be passionate about. I personally work with tax credits and incentives. I personally am helping businesses put money back into their bank accounts. How could you not get excited about that? I mean, especially through the pandemic. I mean, I've been working on pandemic related tax relief for the last you know year and a half, and I'm seeing businesses that were affected greatly, and I'm able to communicate this information to them. I just, before you and I talked, I was on with the New York State Restaurant Association doing a presentation for I don't know, a couple hundred of their members talking about how they can use certain tax incentives to put money back into their business. I love doing that. If you don't dine free at all of the New York restaurants, Randy, then something's wrong. <laughs> so good for you. You're talking here, though, about self-awareness, aren't you? I know you're really big on this in terms of developing one's self, one's career, playing to one's strengths. Talk to us a little bit about that. You might have to stop me if uh, if you think I could talk a little bit about this. It's a, I'll probably say passion a thousand times today, so I'll apologize ahead of time. Enthusiasm. <laughs> Enthusiasm. I need to look at uh, thesaurus where we see synonyms. Yeah, I need to start doing that. Rob, you're educating me. See, you're educating. That's a passion thing. Well, you're coachable, Randy. <laughs> that's a good sign. And a lot of accountants, when they qualify, they think, right, that's it. Apart from my CPE, keeping me up to date technically and, and regulatory compliant, that's all the learning I have to do now. No, you're constantly learning. And there's a lot of accounting firms, I'll just say accounting generically, that put this lifetime learning uh, systems into place right now, just because that's so important. But, but let's go to your question then. So the self-awareness, this is a thing that I've learned over the years. And I like to be able to share, again, I like sharing knowledge, you know, whether people like what I have to say or not, you know, great, but I'm going to share what I've learned or what I've experienced over the years. And so the self-awareness thing has become a big deal with me for the over the last, let's say, eight years. And you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but this for me personally started when I had a stroke eight years ago. 
and kind of reevaluate everything you're doing. You look at things. Is this important to me? Do I like this? Can I do this at all without, you know, freaking out about it? And so this was a slow process for me, but for over about a four year period after that stroke, I was trying to figure out who I was, what my role was in the business. Do I want to continue in the business? You know, is this something I want to be done with? And then I, after a time, I determined that let's look at where your strengths are. And, and my strengths have always been starting a business. I've started many businesses besides this business I currently have. I started an accounting firm. I actually started a real estate development firm. I started a window washing company when I was 16. I like growing businesses. And when I did self-evaluation, I didn't realize that I am not a great operator of the business. I am not an implementer. I am not the person that is going to do the day-to-day. That's so boring to me, but the day-to-day ins and outs of the business. I have more of a big picture, but then in this whole self-relation, then I also decide, look at myself personally. What do I like to do? Even though I was considered the shy kid, you probably could tell I like to talk. I like to get out. I like to educate. I get passionate about what we were just talking about, or I get enthusiastic about what we were just talking about with these tax incentives, helping restaurants, helping whatever businesses. And so let's look at ourselves and let's define what role I want to be in. And let's just work around that. And so the role I do today after this four-year process of doing a self-evaluation, and I fought some of this. This wasn't a light bulb went off and, hey, you know, I'm going to do this. I fought some of this change, but looking back, it was right. After doing this whole self-evaluation, what is my strengths? What are my passions? What do I like to do? What am I bad at? And I looked at all that. And what my strengths were was communicating. I can take a pretty complex tax uh, uh, issue and I make, can make it easy to understand whether I'm talking to CPAs, which I do often, or I'm talking to a business owner. And so I can do that. And I have, a, that's just a, a skill I have. So I, I want to do that. That Out of that came the podcast. That's education as well. Education is a passion. So we're educating CPAs. And I said this at the beginning. We want to have fun and we want to teach the accountant, the tax preparer, the CPA, the EA, the chartered accountant. We want to teach them uh, something while we're talking. I started writing articles for, for uh, you know, accounting magazines, accounting today, AICPA, tax advisor, CPA trend lines. We started writing articles. And so when I did the self-evaluation, I realized these are the things I'm good at. And then I'll concentrate on that. I told you I'd ramble. You eased into your gift, though, and you started to expand there. So for accountants listening to discover the passions, you're talking about some kind of journey of self-awareness, some kind of evaluation, maybe psychometric testing, because often we're too close to what we do and we don't know what we're good at. I did one of those tests where it says what your strengths are, but I did that two weeks ago. So that was eight years after I started this process. But it did come in basically where I thought it would which was the education part of things, the communication part of things, and helping the people I work with. I love watching people progress in their roles in the business and advance in their roles. And I tell people, I'm there for you anytime you have questions. I want to help with that as well. And again, not everybody can do the same thing. I started this business. We've grown significantly. I'm very fortunate that I can pick and choose what I want to do at this point. But really, everybody has that opportunity. You just have to fill in your weaknesses with people who have strengths. Because when I started this whole self-evaluation, part of it was just forced on me because of the stroke and I had to think differently, although I'm very fortunate I'm fully recovered. But I was managing partner of the firm at that time. 
I thought that was my identity. My identity is managing partner. And if I'm not managing partner, who am I? I'm nothing. You know, I mean, this is what would go through my head. But now looking back, Andy Lane, who took over that role from me, and he and I started this business together, he is so much better at that role than I was. And we should have done this years ago. And so I was very slow at this self-evaluation. And that's why I kind of get passionate about now, because don't delay it. Look at it. Do what you can. But he is so much better at And now I'm going to sound like I have a huge ego, but I am so good at what I'm doing now that we are both in the correct roles. And in the last four years since we've done this, our business is up 800%. And that's not solely because of me. That's not solely because of him. That is because his passion is this running, implementing, putting tools and, and processes in place for the business itself. That's his passion. He found his. He knew it sooner than I did, really. And mine is the role I'm in now. And if everybody can find that niche or find that passion within the business, you can't stop yourself. What makes an accountant promotable, Randy? Promoting within the business. Yeah, acceleration up the career ladder, if you like. In public accounting in general, I think I think all that has to be redefined because people have different skill sets. And if you're not ta- if you're not bringing in business, you're not going to be a partner. Well, you could have the best technician in the world working on taxes. Maybe they're not out at every single you know chamber of commerce event generating business. That doesn't mean they're not important to the business. That doesn't mean they're not at partner level. Everybody has his own role. And so I think it's just that the skills that you have and are you at the top of your game with those skills, whether it's communication skills, whether it's tax and accounting skills, um, whatever the skill is you have, if you're good at that and you're using it in the business the right way, you're promotable. I don't don't care if you brought in a million dollars of business last year. So if we got that wrong then in putting the rainmakers, if you like, into partner roles, I do think that's wrong. I do because the, the, every role is important. Without each individual role, the business is not going to go. Some people don't want to be partners. That's fine. But our business, and ours is different, we're in tax, but we support tax preparers. You know, most of our people are just project managers out in the field that are working on projects that then we get the information to the tax preparer. That's most of our people that are generating. They're generating the billable hours, but our business development portion is a third of our business. A third of our employees are in business development at some way, the marketing department, the inside sales, the business development team, the support team for that. And just because those people are bringing in, you know, the sales, the revenue, they're the ones that should make partner. No, I mean, our project managers, if we have a project manager that's, you know, doing 20 projects a, a month and then there's someone else doing 10. Well, the 20 projects a month person is probably more valuable if, even than at, you know, our, you know, one of our middle salespeople. And so, you have to you have to figure out ways to value those roles differently than just the rainmaker role. And if an accountant is listening to this and right, what are my strengths? Are they looking at things they love doing or things they are really good at or a combination of those or even something different? I love looking at the standpoint of what are you good at and what are you passionate about and can you meld those together? Let's say you're an accountant in inside of an accounting firm right now, and you're whatever you're you're sitting in the tax department or the audit department or accounting whatever department you're in, and you know your outside of work passions are going to you know fine dining restaurants. Well, your firm doesn't have a restaurant niche that you work on. 
Well, if your passion is going to fine dining restaurants and you like to learn about everything you do and you like to look at their recipes and all that, why don't you try to be that expert for restaurants? And I keep bringing up restaurants. I guess that's a key in my head these days. Uh, why don't you try to be, develop this, this program within your firm where you are now an expert to restaurants? You have this passion. You have the tax knowledge or the accounting knowledge. Now let's try to meld those two together. So, so if you could do that, I mean, if you can use your outside passions and somehow bring that into work, I mean, you hit a home run. You hit a grand slam. That's a strength, isn't it? It's something that you find easy or enjoyable that other people find difficult or boring. And I like the idea of bringing in external passions. We'll, we'll have accountants listening that like to play golf or go to the gym or a family people or get a handle on family businesses or grew up in that environment. There's all kinds of ways. We're talking about niching or niching here, aren't we? Niching your expertise. Uh, I say niche, you say niche. I'll try to say niche in this, but yes, I, <laughs> I'm a niche practice. We're a specialty tax practice. I used to be a general practitioner. I, you know, I was before I, I, I started this firm, I was, you know, I was not an expert in anything, but I knew every, I knew every part of the tax code existed for the most part, but I wasn't an expert at building that niche, whether it's especially text like I did, or being the restaurant expert like that scenario. I mean, I think that I think that's extremely important as the profession continues to evolve, because we're in a really big evolution of the industry right now. I mean, you have these specialty bookkeeping firms, you have these specialty payroll firms, you have these specialty, you know, uh, financial advisor firms, you may have all those within your business, um, but they're all niches within there. And the stronger you are as a firm at certain niches, the better I think you're going to be able to su succeed going forward. Andy, we'll pump people to the Unique CPA podcast and your other links and bio in the show notes. I'd love to leave with two questions for our audience. One first is for the accountants. Listen, they're in the rank and file. They're somewhere in the hierarchy, but they're not at board level. They're not at partner level. They're not in a leadership role, maybe in a management role. What advice would you give to them to accelerate the career, make themselves more noticeable, more promotable, more differentiated, perhaps a little bit more self-aware, but give them more career options. What would you say to them? Yeah, it, it's kind of what we've been saying all along. Look at look at what you like doing and don't be quiet about it. Bring it to your, your supervisor. Hey, I want to start doing this. What do you think? A good supervisor, a good manager is going to be open to anything that you bring to them. I think if you're bringing ideas, and not just not just the kid in the classroom who, who raises their hand for every question. It, it not that it is. I have specific ideas that I think are going to be important for our, our firm, our business going forward. I think we can really do well with this. I enjoy this. I want to see if we can you know develop this into a, a niche within our firm. And you're big on sharing your knowledge, aren't you? If you're interested in something, don't keep quiet about it. Oh, no, I, I, that's what I do all the time is, you know, I, I, I'm doing specialty tax webinars. You know, I, I've done three this month already, and I probably average, you know, one a week. But you've got, a, you've got a big mouth, Randy. You've got a big mouth. You've got a message. You've got a platform. But that needs to be earned, doesn't it? If you're going to share your knowledge, you need to find ways to get it out there. Yeah, you know what? If you can communicate, if you have passion, if you have the knowledge, they will come. You know, I'd be at conferences speaking, I'd be at events speaking, I'd be inside of accounting firms speaking. After the pandemic, it went virtual and I was a little concerned about that. How am I gonna be able to get in front of people without having this? And so our first webinar we did, and I don't know, we probably had 20 people sign up, but you know what? A lot of these people have probably hadn't heard of me and my message before. 
You know, we have one this week. There's 127 signed up for this one already. You know, we've had some of them where there's been, you know, three, four, 500 signed up for. It's just keep doing it. Keep sharing. If you really have this knowledge, they'll come to you and they'll understand that it's important. What about the leaders? They want to nurture the people. They want to develop the skills of the people, realize the potential of their people. What advice would you give to them? Just be open. Do not micromanage. Give your people freedom to come up with ideas, freedom to do their own thing, and freedom just to work. If they want to work at 3 a.m. and 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 be available at noon to you know for hanging out with their kids, let them do it. I mean, if people get their job done and they can do it any time of the day, do it. So just be open to anything. And that's extremely important with what you mentioned before, the great recognition and people maybe not going out of the accounting industry. You need to be open and you need to make a fun atmosphere, but be open to ideas. Randy Crabtree, that's been great. Thanks so much for your passion and your insights today. Thank you, Rob. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.